All right, Alexander, let's uh, talk about what is going on in the UK. And it looks like Rishi Sunak's position is starting to deteriorate in uh, in the UK. And Keir Starmer is waiting in the wings to take over. Uh, not that much will change with uh, Keir Starmer, but that looks like uh, the situation. Uh, Rishi Sunak... How long has he been in office? A year? A year plus? Yeah. It seems like just his over a year. Yeah. Is just, running. It's yeah. yeah. Well, he, well no, he's about due to, yeah, anyway. to be swapped out. Yeah, yeah he's exactly. about due to be swapped out. Exactly. He lasted exactly. much longer. If it's any consolation for Rishi Sunak, he, he lasted much longer than uh, than Theresa May and uh, and who else was 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 in, was in uh, well Liz Truss. He lasted longer than Liz Truss. Uh, Liz Truss. I think he's. Li- I sorry, think I said Theresa May. Than... Liz Truss. Liz Truss. Liz Truss. I don't think he lasts as long as Theresa May. But there we go. But I mean, um, yeah, sorry. we yeah, are. Liz Truss. I th- uh, yes, I mean, I think we are. We can now definitely say that we are in the uh, closing months of this government, and um, it is falling apart. There were regional elections, local elections, by elections in two parliamentary constituencies on Thursday last week. One was in Bedfordshire, one was in a place called Tamworth. These are rock-solid Conservative seats. The Conservatives should definitely have kept them. Now, Tamworth um, is important in the history of the Conservative Party because um, way back in, I think it was the 1840s, Robert Peel, who was at that time the leader of what was then still called the Tory party, he um, made a speech in Tamworth, which is referred to as the Tamworth Manifesto, which many people consider to be the refoundation, the actual foundation point of the Conservative Party. So Tamworth has an enormous history for the Conservatives. It's it's in a place, in a, in a sense, the the place their parties began. And they lost to Labour in both places. And that is, an, that is a political earthquake. And if you follow British politics, if you follow British conservative politics, if you read what conservatives themselves are saying, they've given up. They, they now understand that there will be an election sometime next year. That election is going to be lost. There's talk that it will be a Labour landslide on the scale of what happened in 1997. In Scotland, the, social, the Scottish Nationalist Party, which is in theory a left-wing party, but whose emergence in some ways helped the Conservatives because Scotland, before the SNP appeared on the scene, had been a Labour stronghold. The SNP seems to be collapsing as well. So the certainty next year is that Keir Starmer is going to become Britain's Prime Minister. And the Conservatives are close to giving. Well, I think they have given up. They no longer expect that Rishi Sunak can turn things round. I don't know why they ever thought he could, by the way. But anyway, he's, he's failed. He's visibly failed. And you already hear reports that people like Britain's current finance minister, Jeremy Hunt, for example, is actively thinking of quitting politics 
and might not even stand in the next election. And when you hear people, those kind of rumours circulate, you know that the Conservatives um, um, are close to the point of no return. And, well, are at the point of no return, that they feel that they've lost. Now, what I don't think this conveys, however, is the intense bitterness that the Conservatives feel about their own government. The Conservatives came to power in 2010 and they were supposed to fix Britain after the effects of the financial crisis. And you read article after article by Conservative commentators and they're saying that the government, the entire Conservative government that has existed over these last 13 years has been a total failure it has achieved nothing that it was supposed to do. That Britain today has higher taxes, more immigration, greater debt, a worse performing economy than it did back when it took office. That this has been, in other words, the most unsuccessful British government since the Second World War. And that is an extraordinary thing for people to say. And, of course, it is Conservatives who are saying it. The problem is, Conservatives, definitely on the way out, nobody has any expectation. I'd say nobody, I mean even people on the left, have no real expectation that things with Keir Starmer are going to get any better. And if you go back to what I said when Rishi Sunak became Prime Minister, when you know Liz Truss was bundled out and he was brought in. I said that Sunak is exactly the kind of leader that the globalists, the establishment wants. But I also said that he is not their preferred candidate for prime minister. The person they really want is Keir Starmer. And that is whom the British people are going to get. I'm just going to finish by saying that Reform UK, which is Nigel Farage's old Brexit party, appears to be reviving. It also did well in these two parliamentary by-elections. There's talk that it is also going to start um, fighting in more and more places. There's even some talk that Nigel Farage might, you know, rejoin and reactivate in it. And um, that might eventually and in time become a new focus of political energy. But it's still not really there at the moment. At the moment, what we're seeing is a discredited, incompetent, failed government exiting the scene, and the government that is going to replace it is going to simply continue to do all the things that this failed, discredited and incompetent government has done. So we're going to get more of the same with the Prime Minister that the establishment wants. I imagine Keir Starmer is, is the choice of the Uniparty. Absolutely. Both conservatives yeah. and and Labour. Um, so we're going to get Keir Starmer. How, how come? How come the system in in the UK can't, you know, just jump over Keir Starmer and get to some proper uh, governance and proper leadership? I mean, it seems like, like it seems to be like the the situation is, you know. Uh, we've just got to go through this process. Okay, yes. we, we got rid of this trust. Now we have Rishi Sunak. We accept it. We have to go through the Rishi Sunak cycle. 
And we all know we're going to get Keir Stammer. We have to go through the Keir Stammer cycle until we get to some sort of uh, exit from this, from, from these dark times, from this catastrophe. I mean, this is not how democracy no, should, it's not should how be democracy. working, is it? No, it's of course, and that's and that and that you've put your finger on the fundamental problem because, of course, if they do allow any opening within the political system at all, and this is what this strong vote for Reform UK in these two constituencies tells us. By the way, in both places, the combined vote for the Conservatives and Reform UK was bigger than the Labour vote. And already there's some Conservatives blaming Reform UK for the fact that the Conservatives lost those two seats. There's every reason to think that if Reform UK hadn't um, um, stood in these, in these seats, um, most of the people who voted for it would have either abstained or conceivably some are so angry with the Conservatives that they might have even voted Labour. But the point is, <laughs> Reform UK is there. There are people on the left of politics who are also there. The uni party doesn't want to open up any part of the political system. because It doesn't want to allow any real debate or any real emergence of alternatives, because it knows if it does, that it risks losing control of the political process. So Rishi Sunak, the Conservatives, utterly discredited. So you put in their place somebody who's less discredited and unpopular, but who will just go ahead and continue to do the same thing. If you open up the political system, if you allow people to express dissident views and to stand for parliament and to get me in you know, airtime in the media and all of those things well what you risk then is a return to real politics at which point of course the whole position of the uni party collapses now i have to add to all of this that of course um again the Conservatives are, to a great extent, victims of the Alensky curse. We can't avoid discussing this topic because it is Britain. This government has been fervid in its support of Ukraine. It's gutted the British armed forces to send tanks and weapons and armoured you know, vehicles and self-refelled guns to Ukraine. It's been extreme in the rhetoric that it has, um, you know, used in this conflict, and it has been the most fervid supporter of sanctions against, uh, uh, you know, against Russia. And, of course, that has had a big effect on the economic situation here. It explains why energy costs are so high. Now, this is translating in Britain into very high inflation. Britain has higher inflation than the Eurozone does. It is... Um, Officially, it is 6.7%. Informally, it is even higher. I personally think, I sense that, in fact, it is getting higher still. Inflation in Britain is rising. That is the single reason why people are so angry with the Conservatives at the moment. I mean, you know, they all they feel betrayed over Brexit, they feel betrayed over immigration, they feel betrayed over high taxes, and they feel betrayed over the high prices. And the high prices and the higher taxes are a direct product 
of the economic war. So we see that the British, the government, the British Conservative government is being affected by the Zelensky, the Zelensky curse. But of course, Starmer assures us that he's going to do exactly the same thing. So we go from one failed government to another failed government. They're all going to do the same thing. They're going to double down on what has already failed. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you the question, how would Starmer be any different than Sunak and Truss and Boris Johnson or any of these guys? I imagine he's going to he's going to continue to to provide whatever uh, the UK has to to Ukraine, whatever it has left. And, and to be to be fair to to Oletsky and Ukraine, it was Boris Johnson that made these promises to Ukraine that they would get unlimited everything. And so it seems like Boris Johnson, uh, Trust, Sunak, and soon to be Stammer are going to give Ukraine everything that the UK has. I mean, the UK is, is willing to, to empty out everything based on Boris Johnson's promises to, uh, to Zelensky that he made in the end of uh, March, uh, early April, when Ukraine had a deal, the war could have ended, but uh, Boris Johnson convinced uh, Zelensky otherwise. So, uh, you know, this is, this is Boris Johnson has kind of set this, this ship on yeah. its course. And I yes. guess Keir Stalmer is going to going to drive that ship. He's going to ram that ship right into the rocks. Exactly. It's not well, far of course, off. Of course, <laughs> right there. The, the the thing to say is, of course, the British establishment is absolutely united behind this policy. I mean, the, so again, dis, dissent, disagreement is not permitted. You're not going to get into the media, the mainstream media here in Britain, if you start to argue that this thing isn't going well, that we need to sit down, we need to start talks, we need to look for some kind of a way out. I mean, there's much, much more debate about this issue in the United States than there is even than there is in Britain. And again, it's not difficult to understand why. Because of course, firstly, two reasons. One, for the British establishment, for the political class here, the conflict with Russia is a priority. It is an even bigger priority for them than stabilizing the British economy. That may sound astonishing, but it's difficult to avoid the sense that this is true. I mean, this is something that they are absolutely all single-mindedly determined about. And if you listen to British spokesmen, if you listen to the language that some British officials use, it is extraordinary. So for them, it is a priority. And they're not going to allow the fact that this is you know, having an effect, a negative effect on the British economy to stand in their way. And that also means that they have to close down political discussion about this and make sure that whoever replaces Sunak and the Conservatives is going to be reliably committed to conducting the same policy. But of course, the other reason why they're not able or willing to allow any expression of disagreement or even discussion about this matter is, again, because doing that risks opening up the political system, risks opening up debate, at which point 
the position of the Uri party starts to crumble. And they, that isn't something they can allow. So the result is we're trapped, we're locked into this policy, and we have no real exit point, no way out. In Germany, you have the IF debt, which is rising, which is able to criticise criticize these things. In France, you have people on both the left and the right who still have the ability to speak out and um, criticise things. There's just been a very interesting and important election in Switzerland where a conservative right-wing party has topped the polls, opposing, you know, saying that they thought the sanctions were unwise, that the fact that they were wrong, that Swiss neutrality has been compromised, that they want the sanctions reversed. You could talk about these things. In Britain, politically speaking, it is impossible. Uh, what's Real quick, what's Reform's position on this? No, again, I mean, they're very, very wary of taking anything but the official line uh, um, uh, uh, publicly on the conflict in Ukraine. They know that if they do, the entire weight of the establishment and its media will be brought down upon them and they'll be called Putin puppets and all the rest. And in Britain, that is a very dangerous thing to happen to you. If you do that, then you risk, uh, uh, you know, you risk all kinds of consequences, as we saw with what happened with, with Corbyn you know before um in private in private when you speak to people you know with that kind of outlook they're they're much more um you know aware of the problems of what's going on you will find that both the leaders the the, the people who are in that party and the demographic that vote for them in increasing numbers which is by the way predominantly a working-class democratic demographic. They're far more sceptical and, in some cases, outright negative about the whole Ukraine project. But even they, for the moment, are not able to come out straightforwardly and say that this policy is wrong and is leading Britain into a, uh, you know, a, a cul-de-sac, into a, you know, a, 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 into, into, into a into a blind alley and even they're afraid to say it so the policy just goes on okay um i guess we'll end it there uh, it, real quick is nigel farage uh, the, uh aligned with ukraine as uh, as the reform party i mean do they have the same view well of, of he ukraine, has you know? been he has tended to support also the line on ukraine remember he, at the moment he's primarily a media personality now rather than an active political one but you know there are rumors that he might eventually rejoin politics um can i just say it isn't i mean you know we talked about ukraine because of course the alensky curse is playing a, as i said a critical role in all of this even though we see how the political elite are able to juggle things but overall in almost everything there is complete political paralysis here there is no one who's coming forward with any kind of agenda or, or, or mechanism for how to move Britain forward, how to move and find a way to address this, the, the deep-seated problems of, that are afflicting British society. If you're looking at what Starmer is talking about, he has no plan, no idea 
about how to get the economy moving again. We're trapped in a high tax, um, high uh, spend system because the economy is weakening. And the only thing that some people who are associated with the Labour Party can come can say is, well, look, because economic growth is so slow, that means we've got to fund services, which means we've got to tax even more. <laughs> so that, that is, that's the plan, apparently. Okay, thedoran.locals.com. We are on Rumble, Odyssey, BitChute, Telegram, Rockfin, and Twitter X. And go to the Duran shop, 10% off, use the code. Durad 20, 20% off, use the code, the Durad 20. Take care.